Hey, good morning uh, again to you guys at Awaken, and here we are one more round. I think this is week eight, uh, looking into Galatians today. You've had the reading in Galatians 3, and we're going to read some more in just a moment. We're going to do the question and pause thing we did a couple of weeks ago, and I make no excuse for this. I, I, I just think if we could all, if all who claim to be believers in Jesus Christ took 15 minutes more a day, just to look into Scripture and to read it. And, and reading it to allow the Scripture to be applied to their life by the Holy Spirit, not trying to understand it, not trying to figure it out, not in Bible study, just to, to meditate on Scripture and allow the Holy Spirit to apply it to their lives. I believe we would start to see transformation happening through our nation. And many of the things that people are trying to change would begin to change. It may take time, but they will change. Because as we change our hearts, we change our testimony, we change our choices, we change our conduct. And as we do all those things, it brings change into society. Uh, not from the outside in, but from the inside out. You know, I woke up this morning um, with Isaiah 26.3 in my mind. And, and Isaiah 26.3 is, he will keep in perfect peace, him whose mind is stayed on him. And, and don't all of us need the complete perfect peace of Jesus ruling in our hearts and minds. Don't we need that? I mean, Jesus said, I give you my peace. Do not let your hearts be troubled. He said, Paul, Paul prayed, you know, that the peace of God would guard our hearts and minds. And this is, a, this is a blessing that's been given to us, a promise that's been given to us. And yet, it's not always evident. It's not always what we're experiencing. And he says, my peace will keep you as you keep your mind stayed on me. I have a responsibility. That's what he was telling me this morning. Come on, Paul, you've got a responsibility here. You've got some stuff going around in your head. Here's what you're going to do to get peace back again. Bring your mind to me. Stay your mind on me. How do I do that? I read scripture. I read scripture to stay my mind on Jesus Christ, on the gospel. And uh, that's what we're about in Galatians. So we're back into Galatians and we're not doing Galatians to study the book and become experts on a little book in the Bible called Galatians. We are looking at the Galatians, essentially, they can, we're not moving from Galatians 1.4 all the way through. We're in Galatians 1.4. Where's he gone? Galatians 1.4, there it is. It talks about grace and peace. To you from God, our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, verse 3, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us, to rescue us, to save us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So, so, so all the way through this little book, all we're trying to do is to dig into the salvation, to deal, dig into this gospel, so that the gospel can wash through our lives so our mind will be stayed on him and on the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this exercise we're about to do, which we did a couple of weeks ago, um, we, we're doing it as a, as a, to, to, for, for several reasons. One is, I don't want to be the person who is the main teacher in your life. As a preacher of the word, I, I realize I have a responsibility to bring an apostolic teaching of Jesus Christ to you. That's it, really. I'm not here to explain everything about how to live in this world to you. 
but the Holy Spirit is the teacher. I'm just here to exercise something he puts in me to bring you. He is the teacher of your heart. He has come to be in your heart and to be teaching you from Scripture how to know Jesus and how to live by faith in Jesus in every moment of our lives. And and so I, I think it's really, 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 really important that every believer knows how to read Scripture with the Holy Spirit and be taught by Him to live by faith in Jesus Christ in that moment, in that situation, in that circumstance, in that challenge, in that great moment, whatever it is, that they know how how to be taught by the Holy Spirit in that moment, how to live by faith in Jesus Christ. That you don't rely on someone else. You don't rely on any teacher, any preacher, any book, the Bible, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. And then we have the body of Christ around us that the Holy Spirit uses to, to, to supplement that, to add to that, to, to work it out, to give it, a, to help us to be accountable to one another and a whole lot of other things. And so we're using this little few minutes of questions and answers uh, questions and thinking, not answers, is yeah, scary. We're not looking for answers. Uh, we're looking for insights, revelations. And they may not be the answer to any particular thing. I've got an itchy nose here. Sorry, guys. Uh, but the Holy Spirit knows how to answer the questions in your heart that are really, really need answering. And they may not be the ones that you think need answering. So listen. So here we go. The questions. We're going to read the scripture. And the first question is, What is the story, these few verses, telling me about God? So I'm going to read it again. After I read it, we pause and we just listen. What is these verses telling you about God? just, Just one thing, maybe. What is it telling you about God? Okay, let's read them. Galatians chapter 3, verses 5 to 9. Galatians Chapter 3, verses 5 to 9. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, know then, that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Where do you see God in these verses? Okay. Second question. What is a story telling me about people, about us, about humanity? What is it telling me about me? What is it telling me about people in relationship with God? 
So let's read it again. And uh, the first reading, I got, uh, first time I read it, I read English Standard Version. This time I'm reading the new International Version. So again I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Hey, what do these verses tell you about you, about me, about people? Let's take a moment and reflect and hopefully you've got something to write that down on or take notes on your phone on. Really important to be able to track what God's speaking to our hearts. Okay, back to me. Um, I know some of you, this will be uh, really, you know, practice at it. Some of you will be struggling with it. Persist, persist, persist. Uh, Train yourself to be able to still your soul, your mind, and just sit and listen to what the Spirit is saying through Scripture to you. Take note of it. You may not understand it. It may not all add up initially, but allow it to grow. Share it with others because we're not all going to see it clearly ourselves. Third question. This is a really, really important question. If this really is God's word, I believe it is. If this really is God's word, God whose ways are higher than ours, so we won't ever fully understand them. If this really is God's word, what change would you have to make in your life? We're going to read the scripture one more time. We're going to ask ourselves, if this is really God's word, what change would I have to make in my life because of what it says? Ready to go. One more time. Galatians 3, 5 to 9. So again I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Amen. Amen. I'm going back to the English Standard Version. Uh, I don't know why, uh, no great particular legalistic reason, just, yeah. so we've had two. Got your answer to that question there? What would I have to do to obey this scripture? What change would I have to make in my life?
Okay, it is time to move on. Uh, if we're doing this in a small group, we'd take a lot longer. We'd share our answers. We would even be able to ask each other questions and, and, and be able to really uh, hear God and, and get a hold of the scripture and work it into our lives because, you know, seed is planted, but it takes time to grow and bear fruit. It, it, and the gospel's like that. And we're going to see that as we just take a few more minutes to look uh, a bit more to Abraham. I, I think it's intriguing. I love it, actually, uh, um, that God uh, has a gospel message in the New Testament for us. And, and a number of times, the example for how faith in Jesus Christ works, given in the New Testament, uh, particularly by Paul, but given in Romans, given in Galatians, but also mentioned by Jesus, is Abraham. Abraham. And so this, this really ties Scripture together. That means when I read of Abraham in Genesis, and I read of him in Genesis chapter 12 through 22, 24, I'm reading about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we look into Abraham to see the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we hear about Jesus, we look back to Abraham and we see, here's what it looks like in a man just like us, who was born in this world just like us. And here's how it looks like to live a life of faith in Jesus Christ. We have an example. We have the prototype of the sinner saved by faith, living by faith in Jesus Christ. And his name is Abraham. We have more than him, but he's the one that the New Testament pulls in over and over again. And it illustrates to us something that we see in Galatians 2.20. This, for I am crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And this life I live by faith in my fleshly body, in what you see me sitting here right now. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. This is the testimony of a Christian. There's only one sort of Christian, and that is the Christian who is living by faith in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus himself said that, that or gave us this picture of what it looks like to be a person who lives by faith in the cross. His cross. He says it's like a seed that goes down under the ground. And as it goes down under the ground, it dies. And as it dies, something happens in the seed. We call it metamorphosis. This process happens. And out of the... I don't think we do call it metamorphosis, do we? Something happens. And the seed dies. But out of that dying, there's new life. And that shoots and roots. And it grows at something called a tree or a plant. So let's say it's a tree. So the seed that goes down in the ground and dies grows a tree. It's got roots that have gone down and it's got a tree that's gone up. And now you see a tree. It took time. The whole time it took for that seed to die, for roots to go out, for it to push up through the ground and become shoots and then grow into a tree is all valid, is all Faith in the process of growth. None of it is done by, I name it, I claim it, I name it, I claim it, I name it, I claim it. It's all done by trusting the process of faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ and obeying that process as necessary. Here's the point I want to make before I move on. We see the tree. There it is. Imagine a tree, any tree, every tree. The roots of that tree are still in the ground where the seed died. 
the roots of that tree, no matter how big it gets, no matter how much fruit appears, no matter how perfect it looks, no matter how amazing its fruitfulness is, the roots of that tree are still in the ground where the seed died. And the roots and the source of all our Christian life, all our experience, all the blessings of God, all the promises of God, everything God has for us, the roots of it all is in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, is in the grave, is being one who is crucified with Christ. It's not a beginning point that we move on from. I got crucified at Christ and now I've moved on into the resurrection. No, I live in the crucifixion and as I live in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, somehow he works to grow my new life in Christ in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, my, and part of it's always a mystery to me, but it's also a reality. And so I'm encouraging you today, don't move on from humbling yourself before God and being repentant. That means I don't know. I don't understand. I don't trust myself. I trust him. I turn from looking for answers in the world to look for answers in him. I turn from trying to figure it all out by myself to looking to his word. And I live in humility and repentance all the time. At the same time, I'm living in the revelations that come and trusting them and seeing them grow in my life and bear fruit. This is the process of being a Christian, a son of God revealed. But we never leave the place of being rooted down, founded, planted in the ground, in the cross, in the grave with Jesus Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives in me is our testimony every day as a Christian. Hallelujah. This is good news because that means everything I am to be today, everything I experience today, everything I go through today, I don't ever have to be good enough, strong enough, smart enough. I'm always going to say, hey, do it, do it. It's always going to be Christ in me who's doing it. So let's come back, and I better come back to the text, back to Abraham, because our text tells us that the way this life of faith works in Jesus Christ is seen in how Abraham trusted God or believed in God and, and how that faith was credited to him, counted to him as righteousness. This is out of Genesis 15, it's verse 6 being quoted by Paul. So the story that this is out of an Abraham's life is in Genesis 15, which is part of a bigger story, obviously. And Romans 4 is a commentary on Genesis 15, verse 6. So if you want to understand fully what God was saying in Genesis 15, verse 6 to Abraham, which he's claiming is the same thing as us living by faith in Jesus Christ today, go to Romans 4, we'll refer to it, and read it in that context. It gives us a commentary, and it's an example to us, and it teaches us how to live by faith today. So what we find in Genesis 15 is, is we find, and I'm just going to flick there for uh, to be able to follow it, Genesis 15. It starts off, and Abraham's been walking with God for quite a while now. He's already heard God call him, and he's already taken some big, bold steps of faith in following God. 
and, and some things have gone on. He's known God. He's known his blessing. He's, he's listened to God. He's obeyed God. And, and then in Genesis 15, it says, After these things, the word of God came to Abraham in a vision. Fear not, Abraham. I am your shield, your reward, uh, and your reward shall be very great. So God shows up and says, Abraham, I love you. I'm for you. I've got blessing on your life. And so Abraham goes back, basically, I'm paraphrasing now, and, and he says, well, so what, God? I've got no children. And, and because the story of Abraham was, even though he's an old man here, he's had no children. He's lived faithfully with his wife, Sarah, for many years, and they've had no children. And so he has a grief in his life, I have no children. He had had with him for quite a period of time in his journey a nephew called Lot that maybe he treated as a son and saw becoming his heir, but Lot has gone his own way. And so not only does he have no children, he has no Lot, he has no relatives who could be like an heir. And he says, so what, God? What does all your blessing mean? I've got no children. Now for this, it was his point of grief. This was his point. What I'm supposed to be as a man, I'm not being. What I'm supposed to be as a Christian, I'm not being. What's, how can I be a blessing to the nations through my descendants when I haven't got any? How can your promise work out in my life when I can't see it working in my life? And so this is the deal. And he says, so my servant, Elias, is going to be my heir. When we read it in the text, it just carries on. But, but the way the Hebrews wrote, and I understand from others' comments, there's a pause here. And God doesn't answer, and there's silence. And then God, after a while, says in verse 4, And behold, it says the word of God came to him again. And he says to Abraham, Abraham, this man will not be your heir. How you're seeing things is not how they are. How you're feeling things is not how they are. How you're experiencing things is not how they are. What your body is telling you is not true. What your emotions are telling you is not true. What the experience with the world is telling you is not true. He said, this is not how it is. This man will not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. He's, he's, he's old. He's 70-something. He's got decades of childlessness. Your very own son will be your heir. And he brought him outside and he said, look toward heaven and number the stars if you're able to number them. And then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And then we get to verse 6, the one that's quoted in Galatians. And it says, and he, Abraham, believed God. And he counted it to him as righteousness. See, this is the question we face over and over and over again. Who or what will we believe is telling us the truth? The real question of worship is, who or what are we trusting as true? Abraham's now got a choice to make. Similar to, similar to the choice that Adam and Eve made. Similar to the choice that the Israelites were challenged to make. When you can read about it in Deuteronomy 30, verses 11 to 15, when God says, said before you life and death, I want you to choose life. Choose the words that come from me. 
Choose life. Don't choose the way that seems right to you. Choose the words that come from me. Don't choose the way that other nations claim is right for them. Choose the words that come from me. He's saying they're in your heart. They're in your mind. Choose them. Make them yours. Live them out. He says, choose life. The same choice. Similar choice. The choice that Jesus talks about. Choose life. It's the choice of the gospel every moment of every day. It's a choice of humbling ourselves and being repentant and choosing the word that comes from God is true. Not the word of myself, not the word of my feelings, not the word of my experience, not the word of my past, not the word of others, not the word of the, of the world around me, but the word that comes from God. So Abraham's got this choice. And the Bible says he chose to believe the word that came from God and God counted that to him as Righteous. This is so important. No work, nothing out of his flesh, nothing out of him can produce righteousness. But a choice to believe the word of God is counted as righteous. Hebrews 4 unpacks this quite a bit more. And it says that Abraham looked at his body and he considered the fact that his body was as good as dead. I am crucified of Christ. I am as good as dead when it comes to being a Christian, when it comes to being a man of faith, a man of the spirit, when it comes to being a man who has any goodness in the ball before God. I am as good as dead. I cannot produce love for God of all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I cannot love my neighbor as myself. I cannot produce the love for my brothers and love them as Christ loved me. I can't do these things. I'm as good as dead when it comes to these things, he says. But he chose to believe that God's word could produce what it said it would produce in him. In fact, in verse 17, it says he believed that God was able to come to dead things and cause them to come alive, that God could come and create what didn't exist and bring it into existence. That means he said, God, we can believe that God can bring things to existence in our heart, in our soul, in our life that don't exist now. You say, oh, I haven't got faith. Well, God can bring faith to existence in you. You don't have to have it, but you can choose to trust him to bring faith to existence in you, to bring faith to life in you. In fact, that's the only way faith can come alive in you. You can't create it out of your body. You can't create it out of your flesh. You've got to trust God to bring it alive in you. It's a gift from God. It's a spirit in us from God. Are you getting something here? In your current situation and set of circumstances, where are you trying to be good enough, strong enough, smart enough? Are you willing to give up? Are you willing to count yourself as useless? But then to hear what God is saying and to trust that, and to trust that, and to believe that it can produce in you what it promises to produce. See, every blessing of God, every promise of God is going to come about in our life through this process. And it takes faith, it takes choice, it takes patience perseverance because Abraham didn't go and have children a year later he didn't have a son for you know quite a few years but he had to persevere in believing we don't know why there's time involved but there is time involved this is what righteousness is he says this is how the gospel works not believing what comes from our flesh but believing the word that comes from God 
not believing that we have to be good enough, but believing that God is able to be good enough in us. It's actually meant to come through us and produce something in our soul, in our mind, in our character, and in our conduct, and in the way we interact with other people. There is meant to be fruit. But it still comes from us believing and choosing His Word is true. And in some way, God is speaking into your situation and circumstances right now. He's speaking into your heart, and there's a word there to trust is true. And it may not seem like it's the answer that you need, but as you trust it and allow the Holy Spirit to grow it in you, you'll discover it does produce the answer that you need. Come on, we've got to trust God with everything all the time. And trust that he knows how to lead us in and lead us through and lead us out and to lead us where he wants us to be. And that he has good for us and blessing for us and promise for us. And he wants to be the God who fulfills scripture in and through our lives. The story in Galatians 15 goes on. He says in, in, sorry, in Romans 15 goes on, and in Galatians 3 he says, this, is, this we saw is for all peoples, all nations. It's the same principle of by faith in the grace of God, in the word of God that has come alive in our hearts, in our spirit, by the Holy Spirit, that will produce life where there is death, bring things to, into existence that don't exist, that we consider that our ability to do this is as good as dead, used up, we're useless, but he can do it and he is enough. The cross is enough. And if we go into the latter part of, uh, the second part of Galatians 15 and Starting from verse 7, well, the next verse. God, God says to, um, or Abraham says to God, how am I to know this is going to work out? I've believed you, but how am I to know that all you've said is going to come to pass? And, and God did something really interesting in Galatians with, sorry, with Abraham. He says to him, there it is, take a heifer, a female goat, a ram, a turtle dove, and a pigeon. He gave a few more details. And Abraham seemed to know exactly what to do. And we understand from other sources that this, this was not uncommon, that taking these animals and doing what Abraham did with them would, would have formed part of the betrothal ceremony for a wedding. When, when two families, through the, through the marriage of a man and a woman, one from each, um, would bind themselves together in, in a form of covenant. And so Abraham seemed to know exactly what was going on. God said, okay, I know what you're talking about now. You're setting up a betrothal covenant-making ceremony. And so Abraham did what he would have done if he was marrying a daughter off to another guy. He goes out and he cuts them all in half. He lays them down. He would have found a place where there was banks coming down just a little bit so that they all faced down to what could have been a bit of a trench and it would have played a place where the blood ran down and there would have been like a stream of blood, a path of blood running between the animals, the heifer, the goat, the ram, and then the birds not cut in half. And there it is. They're there. So you do this, and then what would happen is the lesser party would walk through first. So in the case of a wedding, it would be the bridegroom. He would be lesser than the father of the bride who would walk through after him. And he's going through and he says, you know, I covenant to, to honor your, wife, your daughter and to treat her well and to do all the things that we've agreed and so forth and so on. And, 
And if I don't, let this happen to me. This is on my life. This is on my blood. You know, it's like my life is on what I've just, my covenant with your daughter. And the father of the bride will go through. And I've promised some things in this relationship about my daughter and about this. And, and if they don't come, if, if, if they don't work out as we've promised, it's on my life. See, they said, our lives are now bound together like one through this marriage. So Abraham just sits there. Now, between God, the uncreated God, and Abraham, and remember, he's had a relationship with God for a while now. Who's the lesser party? No, it's not God, is it? It's Abraham. So who walks through first? It's Abraham, but he doesn't walk through. He just sits there. Um, we don't know exactly what's going on, but but maybe Abraham's realizing this. Man, I walk through there, I'm dead. There's no way I can form a covenant with God and I can keep my part. No way. No way. And I'm dead. I'm done. I can't do this. Who can come? And he just sits there. And he just sits there. And he just sits there. Long enough to have to keep the birds away. And then it says that as the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abraham. And in that deep sleep, he has an experience. And what happens essentially is this. God says a lot of words to him, but I don't want to go into detail. I want to go down to what happened in the verse 17. And when the sun had gone down, it was dark. Verse 17, 15, Genesis 15, 17. And it was dark. Behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed through these pieces. Verse 18. And on that day, God made a covenant with Abraham. God went through twice. Once for Abraham. Once for himself. This is about the cross of Jesus Christ. This is about the blood path of the cross of Jesus Christ. Here in the story of God covenanting with Abraham, we see the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus has gone through on our behalf, and Jesus has gone through on the Father's behalf. God went through twice. Are you hearing something from the Spirit right now? I don't add anything to my covenant relationship with God. It's not on my blood. It's on his blood. I'm asked to trust what Jesus has done for me as if I did it myself. And to live that life every day. Remember Galatians 2.20. For I am crucified with Christ. He went through, but as he went through, I was going through. As God went through, Abraham was going through. Even though Abraham did not go through, but God went through on his behalf. Therefore, Abraham went through. And as Jesus went through, he went through on our behalf. So we went through. So I am crucified with Christ. My trust is not in my flesh anymore. My trust is not in me anymore. I don't, I, you know, I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. My faith, my trust is in Christ who lives in me. The word of God that has come alive in me, in my soul, in my innermost being. That growing up to fill how I think and how I live and how I choose. My faith is in the Christ who's alive in me. And God counts that as righteous. So it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The living word of God that lives in me. 
and I and then how does he say? And this life I live in my flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up. He said, This is what I'm doing today. It wasn't what I did once. It's it's the ongoing process of how I follow God. Every day I'm in the blood path. Every day it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Every day the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. And and that takes us back to Galatians chapter 3, verse 9. What did he say? So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. This is a true. Know then those of faith are the sons of Abraham. Those of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Those of Faith are blessed along with Jesus, the Saviour, the person of faith. I'm asking you today. I'm asking you today to consider whether you trust in Jesus walk through the blood path for you. And that in a sense you went with him. Or are you in some way Or have you been in some way trusting yourself to do something good for God, to be smart enough to add some value to your Christian life? See, we're still at the same point, aren't we? You know, we're going round and round a point and we come back and there's only one. His name is Jesus. And he was crucified and he walked that blood path for himself He walked it for, well, he didn't walk it for himself. He walked it for all men, all through time. He walked it for Abraham. He walked it for King David. He walked it for Moses. He walked it for Adam. And he's walking it for you right now. He's walked it for you. He's walked it for you. And he's asking, will you choose to trust me? Will you choose to trust me, the living word of God in flesh? And that I've walked the blood path for you. And I've also walked it for the Father. Because he's the both. And he's created a covenant. And that covenant, if you'd imagined um, Noah's ark. And God and Noah created a covenant and created an ark. And Noah's family walked in to that ark by faith. And they had to turn their back on all the world they knew. It's no longer I who lives, but I'm crucified with Christ and Christ lives in me. And we come into Christ, it's like we're walking into what he's achieved on the cross for us. It really is. And as we walk into what he's achieved on the cross for us, he begins to work that in us. So it's us in Christ and Christ in us. And it's a mystery, but it's real. And the only thing we do is we choose it. We choose it to begin with. We choose it to continue with. And we keep choosing it to the end. We choose to trust that Jesus is the living word of God. And that his word is truth. And that our words are not true. Will you trust him today like that? Will you trust him today like that? That's all I've got to say. 
between you and God where you go from here. Read it over and over. Read Romans 4. Read Genesis 15. Ask the Holy Spirit to lead you, to teach you. And I'm going to pray and we're done. So Father God, I pray for every person listening to my voice. And I pray that everywhere where a person is trusting you like Abraham trusted you, your word that's in their heart, that they will also know in their spirit, in their soul, that you count that as righteousness. They would know as they trust you and experience you bringing to life within them your joy and your peace, that things that didn't exist before they trusted you will begin to exist in them. In Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for, for your blessings to flow in people's lives, that they'll have the wisdom they need, that they have healing in their bodies. They'll have circumstances working out in different ways than, than they perceived before this moment. They'll trust you, Lord. They'll trust you with everything. Amen and amen.